The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. Good evening and welcome to our third uh, coronavirus quarantine special episode. Uh, I'm Michael Dow and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm joined tonight by Sue Timberlake and, we're here, to, and we're here to talk about uh, politics and stuff. Uh, we'd love to hear from our listeners to see how you guys are getting through the, the the tumult and boredom of social isolation and distancing and uh, uh, only going out occasionally and covering your face in masks and everything else. <clears throat> um, so uh, you can get in touch with us in a few ways and, and fill us in. Uh, you can reach us uh, civil politics radio at valleyfreeradio.org for email, facebook.com slash civil politics radio for our community there, and at civil politics FM if you like tweeting. We do also have uh, our own website, which is civilpoliticsradio.com, with previous episodes of the show recorded, supplementals, and other good stuff like that. So uh, I'm keeping well, uh, just to sort of tell you guys what I would love to hear from you guys. Uh, I'm well. I'm still at my mom's house in Andover and in good health. Uh, It was my 50th birthday on Tuesday, so now I'm uh, definitely in the declining half of my life. (laughs) And, uh, oh, and today, as we're recording this, is... Confederate Surrender Day, so uh, 155 years since General Lee finally threw in the towel and uh, surrendered uh, his army to Grant. Oh, and apparently uh, I saw a little thing uh, from the Smithsonian Institute. Apparently, uh, when when they say, you know, that Lee threw in the towel, it was an actual tea towel that he had that he used as a white flag to wave for surrender. So so that's kind of fun. So Sue, how are you doing on Confederate Surrender Day? I'm I'm doing pretty good. My half of the family came down from Canada and fought with the North, so I guess that's you know that that's the story. <laughs> but I'm uh, I, from what I understand, um, Justin Timberlake's side of the family fought with the South. So there you go. Oh, anyway, embarrassing. <laughs> well, you know, that was then. So happy birthday, by the way, and you. um, you're just a baby. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm getting around like one, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I'm I'm still at uh, one of my jobs uh, at least, and um, sort of holding steady. Everybody's healthy that I know about so far, and um, that's kind of. In fact, there was a, a co mechanic at the shop that I sometimes work at, and he. He thought he he thought he had it, but he came back negative on Monday, so that was a good thing. So, that is good thing. Yeah, but you know everybody's worried. It's it, it's true. It's very easy to worry. You know, a few sniffles and a couple of sneezes, and you know, your imagination is off to the races. So 
So uh, I'm glad we're doing okay. And uh, uh, I spoke with uh, genre, our erstwhile producer, uh, <clears throat> who hopefully will be uh, uh, sufficiently recovered. Uh, time will have, enough time will have passed that he'll be able to join us on the air again at some point. Uh, but anyway, he's he's doing okay. Uh, still breathing, still above ground, as my mom likes to say. So fingers crossed. We all stay that way because I was going to say most of the Valley Free Radio family is doing okay, as far as I can tell. And I've seen a few people over at the um, over at the station, brave souls that go in and, you know, cover the microphones and do live shows. So, you know, we're still as a a community, we're pretty robust, I guess. Yeah, well, that that is good. Um I haven't heard anything about uh, uh, Mayor Narkovitz's uh, health. Have you? You said yeah, he... he's recovered. Good. He's yeah, he's out of the woods. So. Good, good, good. Yeah, and good. I think he tested. Do you have to test negative? Tw- I forget what they do now, but there's some guidelines for that, and he's passed the all the other hurdles, so he he survived it. I guess it was quite a. It's quite a virus, even though with mild symptoms, sometimes it's like a bad flu. So, yeah, he's 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 fine. Well, and uh, and the prime minister of the UK apparently is out of the ICU. So, thank goodness. Yeah, he can maybe soon he can get back to driving Britain into into ruin and destruction. But you know, <laughs> at least he'll be healthy now. <laughs> Well, we can do it with uh, gusto. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Save in the knowledge that he's going to be he he he'll be immune at least for a while from getting this disease again. <laughs> well, he's immune from a lot of things. He's got a lot of uh, chutzpah. But yeah, he's, true. He's dragging the UK, kicking and screaming into the next century. So we'll see what happens. Uh, whichever century that is. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I uh, um, uh, I don't know what you uh, if there's any sort of big news uh, that you see um, uh, as far as the dealing with the coronavirus goes. It looks to me like we're we're doing okay here in Massachusetts. I mean, of course, I am loath to speak well of. Uh, 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 Governor Baker at all because you know he's a evil Republican and you know of course <laughs> you know beyond all redemption then but uh, I know and no one ever votes for him right right so, yeah exactly <laughs> and such I don't know how to get well you know our peak isn't for out here they're saying I think three weeks Boston maybe two weeks the peak yeah. so we'll see how that goes and I think the peak isn't necessarily when the ICU and deaths happen, I think the peak is the calm before the the storm, you know, then within two weeks, the people at the peak, yeah, you know, they go into the hospital and then go into the ICU. Did you want to hear some good news? Number of cases is what's called a trailing indicator. Yeah. 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 That's because we're not testing. <laughs> well, e- well, sure. That's part of it, but it would that's, be a trailing indicator it. in any case. Uh, well, I suppose that's true. Yeah. Um, 
if you tested everybody, you'd know what percent of people actually have it, which is no, no, well, no, but people who are going into the hospital, people who are like needing to be hospitalized, yeah. which is like we yeah. definitely know these people have it because they're in the hospital and they're sick and whatnot. That that's what I mean by a trailing indicator. Like yeah, the, symptoms. Yeah, the the, the, the actual of, yeah. Sorry. The peak of the symptoms, two or three weeks. Yes. Yeah. Good point. So you want some good news? <laughs> Always. So, um, well, Cooley Dickinson's been doing a good job. They have um, a phone number the community can call and talk to a nurse and, you know, really an open-ended phone line that they're funding. And I think there was just a fundraiser to help support them do that. They've set up alternative urgent care places. So if you have a broken leg, you can go to the orthopedic emergency room and they've got a skin one. So if you got a cut or a wound, there's another one. So that kind of stuff is happening here in the neighborhood. Hampshire College, you probably heard this, they've set up a homeless shelter so people that have COVID can get out of the weather and um, be taken care of. So that's pretty cool. Um, I actually hadn't heard that, but that's good. Yes, that's excellent. And they're, you know, I think they're doing a fair amount of things like that sort of in the valley here. People are really trying to think through it. Um, River Valley added $2 an hour to the pay of people who are working during this. So that was a pretty nice thing to do. That's good. Well, um, it's 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 nice, but it's also, uh, you, you know, the whole idea of like who are the essential workers in our society uh, is really, uh, I think, being tipped over on its head for a lot of people. Uh, yeah. I, you know, the idea that like you know the people who are bagging my groceries and taking away my garbage and whatnot. Uh, I've always thought, well, that's essential. I really need that to happen. So they're doing it, and I'm glad they're doing it. But now I think we're re- beginning to recognize just how uh, important that is and uh, how crappily they're being paid. Yeah. And that's a uh, – I wouldn't be surprised if we see a real um, – what's the, the big union of like – Government workers, you know, like sanitation and all that other stuff, all those DPW well, employees. Engineers, um, I, uh, Teamsters. Teamsters no. have a lot of the new trucks and things. Ask teamsters me. Ask me. Oh yeah. yeah. Isn't that mechanical engineers? No, it's uh, it's not just mechanical engineers. It's you know, it's it's all the the blue collar people doing all those grubby necessary jobs on the municipalities though that's a municipal yeah SEIU does a lot of the service workers yeah fair enough yeah anyway um, I all of these unions I wouldn't be surprised if there's a real uptick in uh, their membership and and visibility and 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 uh, clout uh, because mm-hmm. of this uh, and I know you say that, like, if if you see uh, a strong surge in union membership, it means something's wrong. Um, yep. And I'm going to agree with you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, Usually there are the managers in the company. But yes, <laughs> my opinion. Well, so uh, if you if you run the U.S. like a business, I'd say there are definitely problems with the management of it. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. You had something else you wanted well, to share. Yeah, two more quick things. One is, um, so River Valley added $2 an hour to the pay of the people that are working. Um, I think I mentioned last week a gas station had done that, big chain yes. gas mm-hmm. stations, not from here. 
And they did that to folks. Those folks are not unionized, and they did the same thing. They gave them $2 an hour. So I thought that was pretty good. And the the final thing is, I think this is a good thing. They This day, we just put out new regs for the grocery stores. So when you go to the grocery store, if you didn't go this week, um, last week it was a little more open-ended. Now they have all the markers down, and every almost everybody has a mask. Yep. Um, local coopers here, they have gloves out that you can use and uh, and it, you know they've really they really upped the game a little bit, so it's you know it's good. It's it it's like we're ready, we're really ready for it. So mm. anyway, so that's like, that's kind of the upbeat stuff that I have. You know, maybe New York is flattening the curve a little bit, but you know, I'll, we'll see. We'll see how that really is. And California's doing a pretty good job. I heard a piece the other night on um, is it Sweden and um, Denmark. And they both took different approaches, and Sweden seems to be in a little bit of trouble right now. They they took a much more lackadaisical approach, and people are kind of watching it. They took the approach that people should get the disease and get herd immunity, and they wanted to keep people that were vulnerable at home. So yeah. they were actually let, letting it burn through Sweden, and uh, all of a sudden it's it's gotten a little out of hand, so... I don't know. You know, in two years, they may be better off than everybody else because most of their population will be immune. But I think they're going to lose a lot of people in the process. So, yeah, it's uh, I mean, there's a certain logic to that approach, but uh, it's yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a grim logic. Um, You know, it, it, it works better as like. Well, there's nothing we can do to prevent the spread of this virus, and we don't really know how to treat it, so we're just going to have to endure as best we can, and look at the upside. Once we all get sick, those of us who recover will be immune, and, you know, so that's that's all well and good, but it's, you, um, you know. Do you, do you remember mumps? <laughs> it's still around I, with us, I I don't remember mumps. I'm aware it exists, but you know, I was born uh uh 50 years ago and I had the MMR vaccine when I was quite young. Uh so no, well, I don't remember mumps. Happily. Well, I hear it's miserable. Well, it's fine if you're a kiddo. It's it's not bad at all and you you have lifetime immunity, but if you yeah. get it as an adult male, it's trouble for you and you're you can end up sterile. But so as a childhood disease, you know, everybody's sort of planned on their kids getting that and German measles and other things. Chickenpox so. parties. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, chickenpox was a little worse. I'm, these were more mild diseases, but fair enough. Well, rubella was was mild except when it wasn't. And I know pregnant women, uh, it was particularly bad. So, yeah, that's the problem. If you're, if you're pregnant, it's tough on the. But um, so the bad news, <laughs> we could, 6. I guess we could do the whole... million more jobless claims. <laughs> yeah. So we're up to 19 million, which is more than more than the um, the Great Depression, from what I understand. In absolute oh. numbers. Absolutely. Sure. But I mean, you remember the, the U.S. population in, uh, you know, 1933, uh, was significantly less than what it is now. It was uh, uh, a quick check, 126 million, basically. So, yeah. uh, you know, less than half of what it is now. So, I thought they were saying that the we're up over 10 percent of the working population. I thought we we're getting pretty close to the the Great Depression in terms. Oh, of I, I 
I should not be yes. surprised. Uh, yeah, also, because there are a lot of people who aren't going to be able to claim uninsurance, uh, an unemployment insurance easily because, you know, they don't uh, have formal jobs or they're working in the, the quote unquote gig economy. And also, I, I think a lot of people well, they, don't know how to really do unemployment insurance. I mean, I know it's a thing. But I've never collected it in my life, in large part because I didn't really have the kind of jobs that would provide it. And, you know, like, I, I, I guess I'd go to a government website or something, but I don't know. Yeah, the, uh, is it DUA, Department of Unemployment, something? DUA? I think it's DUA. Anyway, um, but yes, all the gig folks, people on chips, they're all provided for in the federal law. They just haven't really spelled out how they're going to do it. Cause they have to, you have to put in your employers and stuff. So, yeah, but they are, they are eligible this time. This is the first. So actually that's sure. good news that everybody. Uh, oh, it's yeah. very good news, but also a lot of these programs increasingly, how do, how does one apply for them? One goes to their website and applies online. Uh, and a lot of people who really desperately need the help are hanging on by their fingernails and may not have easy internet access in their homes. And the number one place they would go to get it would be libraries. And I don't know for sure about out in Northampton, but here in Andover, the town library, Memorial Hall, is closed. And I shouldn't be surprised yeah. if, uh, you know. Really uh, is. I don't know about Forbes, but yeah. They're, yeah they're I closed. think the Forbes is closed, too. Yeah, but you can also call. And the Williston he, over in East Hampton and everything. So, yeah. You you can you can call to the state offices. Those are supposedly manned, but I think the volume's been so big that it's very hard to do. But you can you can call in also. So and there are phone numbers yeah. for that. And I'm sorry I didn't I didn't bring them. I, you know. Yeah. I didn't bring them. So. Um, well, I I wouldn't be surprised because we've mentioned this. Uh, John was pretty smart. I I bet when he. Uh, uh, edits the show, he'll probably post a link to apply for unemployment in Massachusetts in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. So, uh, yeah, so, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so, uh, speaking, uh, so talking about the bad news uh, or or embarrassing news or whatever you want to, however you want to describe it, uh, did, you, did you see the president's press conference yesterday? I don't think I saw yesterday. Did he blame well, who? Is that where he yes, blamed exactly. the he, he, <laughs> I, he said, I saw a headline from it. I that's, that's yeah. like he's amazing. He so many people to blame. It's wonderful. Yes, exactly. But because We're they're not an organization of supposedly like uh 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 you know, in the pocket of China, you know, and, and un, you know, unwilling to uh upset the Chinese government. They were uh, uh, sandbagging the U.S. efforts, which is absurd, um, in part because, you know, there's no nation on earth that gives more to the World Health Organization than the U.S. So if there's any one country they they literally cannot afford to piss off, it's us. But um, the thing about it that was uh, amazing to me was uh, he said, so we're going to cut their funding you know, we're not we're going to pull out of uh, funding the world, Health, the WHO, because of their uh, uh, shameful support or, or, you know, kowtowing to China or however he put it. I don't remember exactly. And then a reporter asked him a couple of minutes later, like, so wait, so are you sure it's a good idea to be pulling funding from the World Health Organization in a global crisis like this? 
And Trump said, well, we're not actually, we're not going to pull funding from the World Health Organization. It's something I'll think about, but I'm not going to do it. And it's like, but you just said you were going to do it. No, no. no. What? Right. <laughs> It, it, it reminded me of that that iconic moment on the Dave Chappelle comedy show like 15 years ago uh, where they had a whole – he was uh, – uh, Dave Chappelle had Eddie Murphy's uh, uh, brother, uh, Charlie, telling stories about what it was like being part of Char- uh, Eddie Murphy's entourage when Eddie Murphy was at the peak of his fame in the 80s and 90s. And he tells a story about – tells stories about uh, the – uh, singer Rick James, who apparently took a dislike to Eddie Murphy and especially to Charlie, and so weird feuds and incidents that they had. And at one point, apparently, uh, uh, Rick James went to Eddie Murphy's house and proceeded to, like, you know, jump all over the furniture in muddy shoes and ruin the ruin the furniture. You know, you know, trivial stuff. But it's like, what are you doing? Don't be a jerk. You know, they were angry. You know that he was yep. wrecking their furniture. And so they then cut to interviewing Rick James and he's like, what kind of person, you know, like kind of childish, putting muddy shoes on things, you know, that's that's absurd. It's undignified. I I can't believe they'd say that. (laughs) Yeah, I did that. (laughs) It's like literally like like five seconds later. Yeah, I mean, I did it. But and so it's it's. You know, Trump is Trump is Rick James <laughs> in the Oval Office. Who uh, is Giuliani? Where they were interviewing him and asking whether he went over to um, the Ukraine, and he said no, he didn't. And then within the sentence, he said yes, he did. Of course, he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's where we are, and that's all good. Yeah. What a what a what a time. So. Um, I think I mentioned that the feds rolled out 2.3 trillion on top of the 2.2 that they're going to back backstop a lot of businesses and stuff. So we'll see. Yeah, but this is how this is the Federal Reserve specifically doing it, not like Congress voting an aid package. This is the Fed. It's it's what loan guarantees or or they're sorry, I can't hear you. Sorry. So, yeah, that's what I was saying. It's what the Federal Reserve did on top of what Congress had done, because people think it's the same 2.2, 2.3 trillion. And they're they're additive. They're on top of each other. So. So what are they doing? um, Four year loans, basically, and um, backing up any business that needs it. That's really to extend credit and to keep, you know, all the um, what is it? um, Businesses live on that short term paper to keep that all liquid and equitable. So, but, you know, we'll see. They're having trouble even with the small business loans rolling that out because the banks are blocking. So, well, yeah, and it's I, really. And I, I heard there were apparently issues with the Small Business Administration uh, at the federal level about like the uh, logistics of getting it done, the, the loans to small businesses. Like there was, I don't remember, but somebody was pointing out how like there's a way in which Genuinely small businesses uh, are going to uh, sort of slip between the cracks because they're neither fish nor fowl in some particular way. Yeah. Well, I think they've got a, like five or six different programs of money, and I think there's a lot of like there was a there was a ten thousand dollar emergency fund that supposedly yes. any business can apply for. There's also like much bigger loans. I think up to half a million dollars. 
you know, it's there's a there's a bunch of programs in there, and there's one that's been talked about a lot. It's they're calling it small business, but it's actually through the banks. You you go to your local yeah. bank, apply for it. Right. So I think and the small business at SBA is supposed to uh, underwrite it or something. Underwrite yeah. it, yeah. And yeah. a guaranteed loan, and it turn, they turn into grants, which is the part if you hold on to your employees, that's that's the good part. But I think between the four of them, not only is the Fed confused <laughs> yeah, and the SBA confused, but I think businesses are confused, and the banks are not behaving perfectly. They're, they're trying to make sure that they have no risk, and, you know, everybody has some risk in this, so. Oh, yeah. Well, we all have systemic risk, risk if nothing else. Yeah. And yeah, good and it, it doesn't help that um, uh, a lot of these, uh, you know, bailout programs are something we need we need to do. Um, how we administer them, of course, is is a lot of uh, is a great importance because that's a lot of what will determine how how effective they are and and who they will help and thus how much overall good they will do. Um, I disagree with the need to bail out the cruise line industry, for example. Because, you know, uh, I, I don't think that's a, a, a critical uh, part of the U.S. economy, though I'm, I'm certainly ha- happy to make sure that their uh, overworked and underpaid employees are, get through the crisis okay. But um, I heard a really good comment on that. Um, it was a guy, Scott Gottlieb, and I forget where he's out of Stanford or somewhere. Uh-huh. And he was saying that, um, you know, we're going to be at an 80% economy for a long time. And the way he was saying it was that it's, you know, people won't do cruises, movie theaters, Disney conferences, concerts for a long time to come. You know, that, that the, the extra 20% of the people that could do that will be in a, not in a position and yeah. that it will, that we'll be at an 80% economy for quite a while. I thought that was an interesting thought. Do you think they should bail out the airlines if, if not the cruise ships? Uh, honestly, no. Uh, again, I I really do care about the pilots and the the, the baggage handlers and the the flight crew. You know, all of these people. Uh, you know, the attendants and whatnot. All of them do uh, important work, and uh, you know, it's very handy to be able to fly around. But so much of the 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 bailout money. I think is is going to basically underwrite, uh, you know, many years of bad decisions by the airlines to to squeeze their employees and and sort of you know take as much profit out as possible. So, do you yeah. think landlords like I saw a piece in New York and it was um, landlords were talking about how some of them have waived their tenants' rent for at least um, April. But uh, that they, which they absolutely really, should. They can't really afford to do it too much longer because all their mortgages come due, and their their liens they 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 end up with a lien. The city will put a lien on your property if you don't pay your taxes. But unlike most cities and towns where they charge you like fourteen percent interest, the liens are sold to others and they're high interest liens. And so you, it takes the building in about five years. So they were talking about sort of. You know that that is their income. Is you know they bought buildings over the years and fixed them up and rent them out. Sure, so it's, it's sort of interesting. A lot of their commercial properties, especially in Chinatown, are going under. And you know, do we bail out landlords, building owners? Well, do we bail I, out towns. Well, uh, uh, 
I'm enough of a left-wing socialist to sort of see some validity in the argument that like, oh, no, landlords are merely a parasite class that has that <laughs> contributes nothing of real value to society. They they simply, uh, uh, you know, your landlord is living your paycheck to your paycheck. So have some sympathy for them kind of thing. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and, and I, I'm like, that's clever and I get it. And yeah, and at the same time, like the solution is, do we abolish private property? I mean, because there are, even if you somehow are like, okay, well, everybody should just own the place where they live. You know, there are problems with that as well. Um, not least of which that um, owning property uh, ties you down. And so if you're working in some kind of profession where the work might move around or be seasonal or, or whatever, uh, you know, being stuck with, well, but I've got a house in Georgia is, uh, can be a real liability. So, yes. yeah, but interesting, interesting but beyond that, I thought, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say one last thing. Um, uh, Janet Yellen was on the news today. You remember her? She used to run the Federal Reserve. I do. Very even handed person. And she was, she was very good. I felt relieved after I heard her. So, um, she just, she just really sort of framed it really well about how this was so monumental, you know, obviously bigger than the Great Recession, and that the systems are struggling to, to put the money out, but the, the money's there, yeah. and the people are going to get it. And she sort of laid out all the all the programs sort of one after another. It was, it was quite reassuring. I wish she was still head of the Fed. <laughs> I do think rent relief uh, or mortgage relief for landlords was included in the $2.2 trillion bailout package. Um, and it's actually a couple more points, uh, I think, to make about that. And we still haven't talked about the election yet. And we're already at our halfway point. So uh, let's take a short break, play some PSAs, promos, station IDs, and keep the FCC happy. And we'll be back with more civil politics here on Valley Free Radio in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. We'll be right back. I'm Elena. I have a master's degree in giving hope to children in Ethiopia. I'm John. My farm experience helped villagers in the Philippines feed themselves. If you have a degree in agriculture, the environment, or teaching English, you actually have a degree in doing more than you ever thought possible. Peace Corps volunteers can have a positive impact in the lives of people all over the world. To learn more, visit PeaceCorps.gov. I'm Elena. My resume now includes changing lives. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player, each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. 
Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. You work hard for your wages, so you need to know most workers should receive at least the federal minimum wage and hopefully more. Also, most workers should receive overtime if they work more than 40 hours in seven days. These are the laws for everyone, documented or not. Have questions about your wages? Call the U.S. Department of Labor Wage and Hour Division. It's free and confidential. Call 1-866-487-9243. That's 1-866-4-US-WAGE. We can help. A message from the U.S. Department of Labor. This is Professor Howard Zinn. The independent, non-commercial radio station you're listening to is really important in the maintenance of democracy. Thomas Jefferson once said, an informed democracy will behave in a reasonable manner. So if you care about being informed, if you care about democracy, if you're a reasonable person, you are, of course. Please support your source for uncensored news and views and the voice of your community. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still Michael Dow. Uh, I'm still talking with Sue Timberlake over the series of tubes that are the modern communication infrastructure of the United States. Hooray! <laughs> and we're, st- I, 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 we, I know we want to talk about the election, but I just, I wanted to mention uh, the importance of government oversight in all of this, because like the two point two trillion dollar package that Congress passed, uh, you know, uh, earlier this year to bail everybody out, which is five hundred billion. Not- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the whole thing is almost certainly going to be enough. And there was the half a trillion dollars that's uh, the for the Treasury Department to use to to help out businesses that need help. And some of that's earmarked already, I guess, for cruise for cruise ships and airlines. Is that right? I hadn't heard that. I heard it was a slush fund. So I could well, be wrong. I thought I thought that was in some of the other bills. Yeah. Well, what the is- concern was that it would be a slush fund, uh, but. The the and in striking the deal to get the law passed, the Democrats uh, insisted that there would be uh, oversight by an inspector general. Uh, I thought in the uh, in the Department of the Treasury, but uh, I'm seeing a, a notes here because Johnra provided some information to think about some things he thought we should talk about when we tried to do the show. And he mentioned that uh, it's the inspector general at the Pentagon, who I guess is in charge of overseeing uh, COVID-19 relief efforts. Um, so whatever, it's, it's uh, and Trump fired that inspector general, uh, along with the one for the intelligence community. So uh, yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, and, and even when there, even when he hasn't, he doesn't seem to have a great deal of uh, respect for concern about uh, oversight, uh, and okay. given how the impeachment uh, trial turned out earlier this year, I I think he's got good reason to not care. Sadly, well, last week we talked about a little bit, sort of his, uh, you know, he doesn't honor congressional subpoenas, but he but he also um, uh, Congress did a really good job. I think last week I said that it was had. Elizabeth Warren's fingerprints all over it because it was actually a congressional um, 
person that that they chose that would have and would report directly to Congress, uh, person that had oversight of this um, this this slush fund, as we like to call it. So that's sort of another part of the architecture. So it, yeah, it's really amazing that he's going to basically, and he did a signing statement too that said something to that effect that he wasn't going to, um, he didn't to believe that it needed to be overseen by anybody but him or something. It's yeah, really, great. It's shocking. It's really shocking. Well, the importance of oversight, I, I think, uh, the the Trump administration has been a, a a three years and counting demonstration of the importance of oversight. Um, yeah. And I think there's plenty of uh, crapulous. Uh, 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 corporate glad-handing from uh, people in the Democratic Party. But there have been some good examples of oversight as well. I, I still remember uh, Henry Waxman, who was in Congress for many years. He did a great job. And I'm really impressed with uh, one of the new Congress uh, people out of California, uh, Katie Porter from the California 45th. And oh, yeah, I, I said, you were mentioning her. Yeah. Yeah, I sent the link out, which I'm sure will get added to the um, to the uh, report uh, or to the uh, show notes. She her office published a, a short sixteen uh, page report, and a lot of that's charts and graphs. So there's only like about four pages of text um, that would uh, that that sort of covers. Well, sorry, the report is called "Everyone But Us." The Trump administration and medical supply exports, and it just basically is, yeah. So uh, uh, starting a few months ago, uh, we started exporting a lot of vital vital medical supplies and making a lot of money off of it. And now that we need them, we don't have them, and that's because the Trump administration has uh, totally dropped the ball. So. Yeah. Yeah. Are they going to cut or something? Or yeah, it's 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 a bad it's a bad time. I guess part of this is what's going to who's going to be our next our next government. I I saw today that the you know the USS Roosevelt had all the sailors on it that are positive and the fellow that got fired. Now the USS Nimitz and those are both very famous names from World War Two. Well, you know, the Theodore Roosevelt is is earlier than World War Two, but. Yeah, the Chester Nimitz was the commander of the U.S. Navy. Uh, yeah, probably uh, won the war. U.S. Navy. Yeah. Well, and the soldiers, home, you know, here in in our area, I mean, it's just it's it's horrifying. The the some you know people just don't know how to practice sort of they even know how to use the PPE. You know, yeah. it's it's sort of frightening. So who's the next government? I mean, what's the what's I, well, it won't I, I include think, the the acting naval secretary who fired Captain Crozier because he's resigned. Uh, I guess in a rare display of uh, of uh, bowing to public shaming, the uh, the fellow who uh, who who insulted Captain Crozier and and removed him from command uh, has has left his job himself. And yeah. uh, Captain Crozier, of course, uh, has the COVID nineteen and. Well, I hope he uh, doesn't uh, have a serious case, but who knows? Yeah. So, so what do you think about uh, 
what our next government's going to be because it's uh, at this point it seems Bernie's not going to not going to be the president. No, but he's going to keep uh, collecting delegates. Interestingly enough, so he'll be a he'll be a factor in whatever kind of convention you all have, and yeah. probably help decide who the vice president is. <laughs> well, good. Uh, <sighs> I can't remember what we've actually said on the show. Um, despite having extra time, I actually haven't been good about listening to, pre- to the last couple of episodes. I've only listened to half of uh, last week's episode, for example. So I can't remember. Uh, did I actually make the comparison between Joe Biden and Captain John Smith of the Titanic already on the show? I did, didn't I? I think I think you did, yeah. Yeah. Just the... Yeah, you've got a lot of experience, but uh, none of it's really helpful for right now. And your outlook on on what we need in our current situation is completely inadequate to our current crisis. So, uh, yeah. 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 So, absolutely. But Bernie is out. Really, that's the bottom line, right? That's the, yeah. That's that's the take home because there's nothing going on on the political side. It's sort of yeah. No, it's to- it's despite the the. Uh, the shameless shenanigans that kept the Wisconsin primary uh, happening, uh, uh, in-person voting was still happening. And the uh, Supreme Court, uh, the Robert Supreme Court, uh, by a five to four vote, ruled that uh, despite the uh, emergency, uh, the the crisis we have and the great health risks, Absentee ballots would not be accepted uh, if they were posted after the election day. And because a huge number of people at the last minute requested absentee ballots so they wouldn't have to go vote at the polls, that's disenfranchising quite a number of people in Wisconsin. So do you think that was the U.S. Supreme Court? I thought it was the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Uh, the Wisconsin the current- Supreme Court also ruled that – well, they ruled that the, pre- the president – sorry, the governor of the Wisconsin, Dem- who's a Democrat – uh, but the Wisconsin legislature is controlled by the Republicans, and they've stacked the Supreme Court with their their yeah. their toadies. And they said, well, you don't have the authority to do this. And, you know, arguably that that was true, I guess. I mean, I'm not an expert on the Wisconsin Constitution. But, they said uh, it was in the charter, so that the date was in the charter or something, so it was pretty hard, hard-coded or something. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, uh, the Republican legislature, uh, refused to say, yes, but you've got the right idea and we are going to, uh, uh, you know, grant you the authority to do what you need to do, uh, because people could die. Um, and, uh, the U S Supreme court upheld the, the, the ruling from Wisconsin. Uh, oh, I missed that. I, I think they cited the Equal Protection Clause saying, well, you know, uh, the election deadline is Tuesday, April 7, and, well, uh, you can't extend it, and that's it would be unfair to everybody who did vote in time to allow people to vote late. And, uh, I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, yeah, but that, I mean, I guess that's purely, the, what's that line from Futurama? You are technically correct, which is the best kind of correct, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. Well, you know who else is getting And the sued? state of Kansas, uh, similar things. The governor of Kansas, who's also a Democrat, uh, put out a, a, 
uh, a, a state of emergency order saying, you know, no gatherings over 10 people, including at religious services. And the uh, Kansas legislature just overrode that and insisted that uh, there be no yep. restrictions on churches and things. So, yep. Baker, Baker's Governor Baker's getting sued. By Did who? you hear this? No. <laughs> the recreational pot industry. <laughs> Is there like if the bars if the if you can buy alcohol you should be able to buy a legal blah 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 you know recreation pot I think it's a good argument actually it's sort of like oh why why can you buy alcohol I <laughs> but I agree well <laughs> like bars are closed but uh, what do we call them package stores right here in Massachusetts the package stores right yeah well why not be able to buy edibles as well as uh, drinkables. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, but I think it's just funny, you know, all the states are suing over voting and this and that and we're we're suing the for over over yeah. um well, well part part of it is of course we've already had our presidential primary. So we don't have to deal with that. But I would True hope I would we have hope, a Sorry, go ahead. Well some of the cities and towns are having elections right now. You know, like well, for their Senate and other special election things in the spring. A lot of the town elections are in the spring. Are in the spring. So. Well, sure, sure. Yeah. But uh, uh, in the state of Massachusetts, you could get an absentee ballot pretty much just by asking for one anyways. So yeah. I would hope, uh, I actually forgot to check on this, but uh, I don't see any reason why uh, the state of Massachusetts can't do uh, just all mail-in ballots for any election that needs to happen, and certainly by the general election in November. And uh, I, I believe there was a poll in Reuters, uh, Ipsos, they did a poll, and like 72% of Americans want mail-in ballots for November, especially if the coronavirus persists. And I think that's a an excellent idea. Yeah, I think they have to change some laws to get that done nationwide, but we'll see if anybody Well, to require it. I mean, because anybody can ask for an absentee ballot, I think. Yeah. Well, it used to be, you used to have a rule, and I don't know why that was different between states, so I think the states must have some, there must state, be some... Because yeah, the Constitution have, requires states to manage elections. It's not handled federally. So yeah. each state gets to do its own thing. Yeah, that's so, the good part and the bad part. <laughs> yeah. And so various states have restrictions about getting absentee ballots, and it, it varies from state to state, depending on what they want to do. And who's in charge? And uh, one thing that's uh, Republicans have said more than once, you know, mail in ballots. Oh, if we let people mail in ballots, that won't be good for Republicans. In fact, the president said that explicitly. So it's it's sad, really. Well, actually, didn't he also say that there'd never be a Republican elected again if we do mail in ballots? I think he said that this week. Yeah, yeah. Or the governor of Georgia, or both of them said it. It's like, oh man, do yeah. they have to be some Tennessee Williams stream of consciousness? Yeah. Well, and not just that. It's it's like you know, people will vote for you if you propose good ideas and you know actually look out for their interests. I mean, I'm not a I like I am not uh, I, you know as you know I'm pretty left wing and I'm you know not a fan of the Republican Party. But I've got to give credit where credit is due. You know, I'm not a I don't agree with Charlie Baker about a fair amount of stuff. And I disagree. I agree with Mike DeWine of Ohio about even less. But they're both doing a pretty good job of looking after their people. 
uh, in this crisis because that's yeah. the job and they're actually doing it. Uh, yeah, that's that's a really you know. good thing. So with Ber- Bernie out, do you have any predictions on what happens with Biden and company or who he picks or anything further from, you know, from the political standpoint? I mean, it is a presidential election after all. <laughs> well, honestly, I think uh, assuming let, let's assume that uh, uh, the coronavirus doesn't have some uh, really game changing uh, a transformative effect. I mean, it could obviously, but just there's no like way you could get one of them or both of them. Yeah. Right, exactly. For example, if Joe Biden were to die of COVID nineteen, obviously that changes the calculus. But I think uh, they, you think they draft Cuomo? You think you guys would draft Cuomo? Or oh, they try. <laughs> They'd absolutely try. Uh, but I think I think various people who already spent time running for president, like Bernie and Warren and and Cory Booker and whatnot, I think people would jump back in the race. And why shouldn't they? You know, people who already have. Well, maybe, maybe people. Uh, he's he's doing a good job handling his state too. Uh, but I yeah. mean, people who already have delegates for the convention, I think, could legitimately say, uh, "Well, you know, it's a it's a loose ball again, so we're going for it." But yeah. um, I think I think aside from uh, you know complete chaos erupting or something. Um, I suspect Joe Biden's going to pick. Uh, honestly, I guess at this point, since he said he wanted to pick a, a, a woman running mate, I guess if I had to pick one person, uh, he'd probably uh, uh, tap Kam- Kamala Harris. Oh, interesting. But uh, I mean, if he's smart, he's going to tap someone like uh, Stacey Abrams out of Georgia or or Katie Porter. Wouldn't- I would love it if he'd tap Katie Porter as his vice president because yeah. it, the prospect of her taking office in four years after him would be great. Yeah. See, I think anybody strong will upstage him, but I'd love to see Stacey Abrams. That'd be fun yeah. to see that. He's definitely, he's definitely upstageable. Um, and, you know, if there's one thing Trump is good at, it's uh, uh, just clamoring for attention and getting it. And well, I I think I think fundamentally this election remains the Democrats to lose because President Trump uh, is widely disliked. There's a core of people who are, you know, his his devotees, his cultists, um, and they'll stick with him no matter what. Uh, But. Some of that, I uh, I think he's probably lost some of those number over time just through his very shenanigans. And I think uh, his mismanagement of the coronavirus crisis could well lead to many of them, well, dying or becoming disillusioned by uh, the tragic results of his stupidity. Um, but fundamentally, I think this election has always been uh, it's it's for the Democrats to lose. And I think the ways they can do that are, um, well, number one, uh, if they don't uh, manage to deal with voter suppression eff- effectively, you know, if, if turnout can be kept down, if a lot of people can be kept from voting, then uh, that will make a difference. The other thing is, um, uh, 
you know, if the Democrats do a bad job of getting people to care, if of inspiring yeah. people to come out. And uh, Joe Biden is not a great way to do that. No, I, I think Trump's still got a very, a very strong base. I think he has a strong base. And I think sometimes when people are more fearful, they, they cling to somebody more like him. So I, yeah. I don't know. I think it depends how this goes, how the summer goes. I, you know, as I, you said, if I, a lot of old white guys die yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, the, uh, in the pandemic, then it might, bad, it might tip the scale. But that's, you know, that's not. Well, and, and part of it is also, um, you know, the Republican Party, uh, uh, certainly the Trump campaign, they are willing to say whatever it takes to get themselves reelected. And so I would not be at all surprised if they... Uh, attack Joe Biden from the left for not being sufficiently for uh, health care reform, uh, even as they also will say, oh, he's he's just the same as Bernie Sanders. What's the difference? But they'll still be like, oh, yeah, Joe Biden, the guy who pushed the bankruptcy bill, Joe Biden, who doesn't think we need Medicare for all. Joe Biden, what about those, you know, the, his weird creepiness with the ladies? And what about those rape allegations? You know, like all of the things that are problems <laughs> about Trump they will be talking about how, look at Joe Biden and how bad he is. And, and they won't be wrong. That's part of the problem. You know, they just replay hearings of, you know, the stuff from the Anita Hill hearings, for example. And it's yeah. and target target the audience to women like me. It's yeah. Trump is such a good street fighter. He's really a dirty street fighter. And Biden, and Biden is like he's sitting there. He's just a sitting duck from my perspective. I I, you know, I don't think they're going to pin the pandemic on Trump, even though, you know, there's a lot of facts here and a lot of people displaying them. I don't think I don't think Biden can counterpunch. I'm worried you're no. right. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm worried you're right, in part because I'm worried he just doesn't have the mental acuity to do it anymore. And and he, he's, he's just not good at capturing people's attention. I mean, that is Donald Trump's one overwhelming ability. Like he's good at getting attention because he doesn't care what he does to get it or what kind of attention it is. You know, he's happy to make it, make a complete fool of himself if it gets, if it gets people watching him. So. I don't know if you know what a Kleeg light is, but it's, you know, the light they use when they light up a stage for something really bright. And yep, Trump yep. is like a Kleeg light. <laughs> you know, he just, he like blinds his opponents. He sucker punches them. He just, he's, he, it's almost amazing to watch him and the audacity of it, you know, like blaming the who, WHO for, um, exactly. for, you know, blaming the Chinese, blaming, you know, the inspector general that just re- really released a report from HHS. I mean, it's, it's, ama- it's, it's amazing. You almost have to watch it, you know, just to see what he's going to do next. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know that Biden's up for that. I wish, I wish you all had a stronger candidate, but you well, know, I guess you I, run with the you know, one you got. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, some of this is blame the party faithful, the, the party leaders for pushing their boy, their, their, their longtime compatriot and and party leader Joe Joe Biden, and part of that is just a lot of voters, I guess, wanting to just pull the blanket back over their head. You know, hit sort of hit the snooze alarm, be like, you know what? Let's go back to how things were a few years ago, because that was fine. It was fine, and it wasn't fine. And yeah, so uh, we should wrap up in a minute. But like one last thing was, I thought 
um, to sort of connect these two threads, is somebody is like, think about, remember this for the uh, upcoming election. Uh, we've been hearing about how great the economy's been going for years and how we've gone through this long recovery from uh, from the financial crisis through you know, Obama's administration and now into Trump's. And like, oh, okay. And uh, people, so many people are, are now in crisis because uh, the, the economic slowdown has meant that they've missed, you know, one or two paychecks. And just think about how, what that says. How strong is this economy? How strong uh, is the recovery going if, you know, missing a couple of paychecks is enough to, to just wreck things for people? You know, like that's, that's not, that's not real economic health. That's, uh, uh, you know, like just a Potemkin economy, I guess. That makes sense to you? Here, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, do you have any last thoughts before we go? I don't want to. Th- I thought I was cutting you off. No, no, I was. I figured we're, you know, we have a lot to think about for next week. Yeah, yeah, we do. Well, I hope uh, the news continues to be on the whole boring and uh Right. And I just want to also, uh, as we wrap up uh, tonight's episode of Civil Politics on Valley Free Radio, I want to say thank you to everybody who wished me a happy birthday. And I want to thank everybody for not giving me anything this year because, uh, yeah, that's this year, that's good. <laughs> anyway. We couldn't, we couldn't find you. You were in an undisclosed bunker. Yeah, in my safe with Dick Cheney. So um, anyway, that's going to do it for Civil Politics tonight here on Valley Free Radio. We've got a whole bunch of cool music coming up after this, which I hope you'll enjoy. And we'll be back with more next week. So thanks for listening. Good night. This show is part of the Planetside Podcast Network. For more information, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.